the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another night here in the X-Zone, and I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send us an email, it's very simple, X-Zone at com on all social media sites, TV. To find out about the broadcast schedule that we have available for you, 724-365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all of the programming on the Exxon TV channel, simply go to simultv.com. Before we get to my first guest tonight, um, I'd like to say hello to a good friend of mine who is in the hospital awaiting a triple bypass heart surgery. Marty McLean was the very first person who worked with us on the X Chronicles newspaper going back 30 years ago yesterday. Not only is Marty uh, a great friend, I've known Marty all these years, but he is, um, you know, he's just a great guy and uh, he has to be the first member of the Exxon Nation. Marty and I did a number of uh, symposiums together, exhibitions together when the X Chronicles was getting on and Marty was always around when needed, whether it was for the X Chronicles newspaper the X-Zone radio show or the X-Zone TV show. Um, he had a heart attack. The doctors found out that he had to have triple bypass surgery. He is in, the Ham- he is in a Hamilton hospital. And uh, our thoughts and best wishes go to Marty for a speedy recovery. And our love goes to his wife, Kirby, his daughter, Sarah, and his mother, Mary. Marty, get well soon, pal. We have to get things going over here. Exonation, my guest this hour is M.K. Davis. Now, anyone who knows anything about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you want to call this biped um, giant of the forest who is very elusive knows the name M.K. Davis. He developed an interest in the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot film while pursuing astrophotography. Now, astrophotography is the discipline of taking space photographs through a telescope. And MK owns two large telescopes that are outfitted for space photography. And um, let, let's get to MK. And um, first of all, MK, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Always a great pleasure talking to you. And what was it about the Patterson-Gimlin film that got you interested in Bigfoot? Well, I always tell people that I, I kind of backed into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's sort of that way. Uh, right. I uh, I saw a couple of frames from the film mm-hmm. that that were of such quality that you know it was rather astounding, and, and someone had 
filtered one of them, uh, trying to boost the contrast. And and I recognized, uh, you know, what had been done uh, mm-hmm. because of my experience with astrophotography. So um, I, I began an inquiry. Uh, you can't get a good frame like that from a, uh, you know, a, a bad film that's fundamentally bad. So I knew there had to be a better version of the film out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I began an inquiry, and it, it, that inquiry has lasted until today, 25-plus uh, years. <laughs> and uh, I've got some of the best images there are, and, and, and I was right on that. It There were better versions of it, and when you get back for the master copy, uh, the film is uh, truly astounding. And I was able to put together, uh, you know, a filtered, stabilized uh, version of the film. Uh, and uh, two in the morning when I hit preview, uh, mm-hmm. my own jaw dropped uh, at the quality of the film and what it showed on the film. And, and so uh, it, the film's doing the talking. And, and I, that's what I endeavored to set out to do. And, and it, that's kind of what's happening. So let me ask you this, MK. In your opinion, is Bigfoot real? Well, there was at least one in 1967. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other there's other good films out there too. Uh, you know, just logic tells you that they there must be more of them. Uh, so uh, along the Bluff Creek area, it's still a very good place to go looking. Uh, you know, so it, it, yes, yes, I'll have to answer that categorically that they are real. All right. So based on your first answer, would it be safe to assume that you believe that the Patterson Bigfoot film is authentic? Yes. Yeah. It's just authentic. Um, I, I, there's enough on it to, that you can uh, say that the biomechanics mm-hmm. uh, agree with everyday life. And that it is an authentic film of something with with all the correct biomechanics. In your opinion, um, MK, how come there hasn't been any other film or video of the same quality as the uh, Patterson-Gimlin film, taking into account the number of cell phones there are with high-definition video capabilities? Well, there's there's not many cell phones in Bluff Creek. All right, uh, but there are in other parts of the world where Bigfoot has been reported to be seen. Well, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of blurry pictures, mm-hmm. a lot of blurry cell phone video. Right. Uh, but but it, it, as far as uh, the, what happened at Bluff Creek, you know, being it's a remote place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Bigfoot tends to hang out at remote places. Uh, so, you know, as to whether they're all, all out there claiming to be Bigfoot or actually Bigfoot, mm-hmm. you know, probably not. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, 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 we live in a mass media world, yes. uh, where, where things, you know, you can, take a picture and it'll be on the internet mm-hmm. and be viral in 24 hours. Uh, so, uh, a lot of box watches, blurry pictures, uh, misidentification, things like that. The actual, actual footage of the quality of the Patterson film are really rare. 
Have you uh, have you so, seen? Go uh, ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, have you seen other film or video that parallels the Patterson film? I don't know that it parallels it, but you know there there's number one, and then there's number two and number mm-hmm. three. Uh, uh, the Paul Freeman footage is probably going to be number two. Um, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, it was taken by Forestry employee named Paul Freeman in the near Walla Walla, uh, Washington mm-hmm. in the Blue Mountains, uh, near a place called Deduck Springs, uh, Mill Creek, uh, watershed. Uh, they didn't let anybody go back in there because it was a watershed and they, they didn't want anybody messing up the water for the right. of Walla Walla. So mm-hmm. people were kept out. He, he could go in there. He took some footage that was pretty extraordinary. Do you consider yourself to be a Bigfoot researcher? I denied it for years, Rob. Uh, I guess I guess I am mm-hmm. by definition. Uh, at some point in time, you know the the film. Uh, you know, once I had reached the point where I I had improved the film to the point where you know, where you could make a pretty good judgment on it. And from that point on, the next question was, what is the nature of what am I looking at? You know, now that I know that it's off an authentic film. And and so you begin, uh, you know, kind of uh, another stage uh, of interest. Uh, So I guess at this point in time, I am a researcher, a Bigfoot researcher. Does the questionable credibility of... of, um Patterson come into play when it comes to the fact that yes, the film is authentic, but the Bigfoot creature may not be, uh, may not be a an actual Bigfoot. Well, a lot of people, uh, you know, the the film has had its detractors yeah. for ever since it was first shown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a skepticism is kind of a funny thing because it can it can you know it can save you or it can condemn you you end up being a, you can be imprisoned by it. uh patterson if once i began to clear the film and to stabilize it there was less and less to object to you could answer a lot of objections just using the film right so people began to, people began to shift their skepticism over to patterson himself you know, that he didn't pay his bills, yeah. the shady character hung out with shady characters. All right, uh, MK, we've that, got to take our break. Please stand by. Exonation. MK Davis is our special guest. And uh, visit his blog at thedavisreport.wordpress.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. M.K. Davis is our special guest of this hour. We're talking about Bigfoot. And if you'd like to visit uh, M.K.'s blog, it's thedavisreport.wordpress.com. Uh, M.K., before we went to the commercial break, we were just starting to talk about the uh, the credibility of Patterson, you know, and he's got quite a, he had quite a painted background uh, and how did this play into the legitimacy of Bigfoot, especially when you've got people like Bob Hieronymus coming forward and saying, hey, it was a fake. There was no Bigfoot. I was the guy inside of that Bigfoot costume. How does this play into the entire scenario? Well, well, I mean, uh, if, if you look at it's a double-edged sword, skepticism mm-hmm. is. Yeah. If you if you say well Roger Patterson was a shady character who didn't pay his bills mm-hmm. and that's been a, uh, you know he uh, ripped the camera people off he ripped this person and you're saying that same person who had didn't have the money to pay his bills pulled off one of the biggest hoaxes of the century mm-hmm. uh, with the most realistic looking suit that not even Hollywood could make. Is they, they counter one another. Uh, you know, it, well, it's just not possible. Well, uh, well you know, it, it ha- doesn't really matter uh, mm-hmm. that when a film gets, you know, when I've improved this film and right. to the point where it, it vouches for itself. It, it doesn't need Roger Patterson and it doesn't need Bob Gamble and it doesn't need M.K. Davis. What it, does it, it need? It, it, go ahead. What does it need then? It just needs someone to look at it uh, in its best form. Uh, And then you Mm -hmm. can make a pretty good judgment based upon what you know about living. Uh, When you see muscles flex, when you see uh, the the muscles along the back, the Mm -hmm. clavicle and the right shoulder move, you see the buttocks and you see the two glutes and they move independent of one another. Uh, You see the muscles flex in the calves. Those are biomechanics. They, they, we see those things every day in our lives. We recognize them. And so it, 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 it really doesn't matter a whole lot about, about uh, you know, whether you uh, Roger Patterson paid his bills, well, whatever. But doesn't that play into the credibility of the, of the entire event? What's that? Credibility. If somebody doesn't pay their bills, if somebody doesn't pay their taxes, if somebody has the reputation of being a storyteller, if somebody has the reputation of exaggerating things, and then all of a sudden this film of an alleged Bigfoot is taken by that very same person, in my opinion, it certainly puts a spotlight on the credibility of the person who's taking that film. And the, well, I don't it, know I don't know that Roger Patterson had those those problems. Uh, I know that he, he, he had some problems mm-hmm. with his money. But uh, I don't of course telling stories, I don't know that he had those. He was eight years into his investigation. Mm-hmm. So uh this thing came along after eight years. So you know, if he were just... Uh... Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. 
In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Telling wild stories right. for that whole eight years. Maybe, maybe I can understand that. But, you know, I've, I've seen his research, and I've seen, I've seen actual pages out of his notebooks, and they were just notations. They weren't plain. But, you know, over... I'm sorry, over, over the years, many people have been taken in by claims of, of discoveries. For example, the Mitchell, the Mitchell Hedges skull hoax. Anna Mitchell Hedges, for years, you know, swore that her father found it in Louboutin, and the story goes on. And then we find out that there is a number of parallels between Mitchell Hedges and his reputation and the reputation of... Of, uh, of Patterson. So how can we actually tell for sure that Patterson, you know, and, and prior to, let me ask you this, MK, prior to the Patterson-Gimlin film, did anybody ever hear of the research that was being done by this, by this Bigfoot researcher who had been apparently out there researching the Bigfoot for eight years before coming across its path and taking the film. You're asking me if anybody had heard of him? Yes. Oh, yeah. Now, he had a newsletter that he sent out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran across people here in the Deep South right. that had those newsletters from way back when. Uh, for those people who were interested, we didn't have the Internet or right. anything like that. So it didn't travel fast, but it was mailed. The uh, snail mail, uh, and he had uh, quite a few people that knew of him and knew of his efforts, um, and, and he was known uh, up and down, you know, through the through the uh, Pacific Northwest, especially uh, for his his uh, attempts or to find mm-hmm. Bigfoot. Um, he writ- wrote a book called uh, "Does I've Got a Copy of It Right Here." says, does the abominable snowman of America really exist? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it enjoyed quite a circulation. So he was an author. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, yes, uh, the answer is yes. People did know of his efforts, but he, he made no claims toward that he had found a Bigfoot. Or, uh, it was all uh, about his efforts right. to find one. Gotcha. Uh, now, now, in 1967, how much airplay or how much media atten- attention did his, his film receive once it was released? Well, I, I don't know what you, what you would call released. Uh, it was shown mm-hmm. live 
uh, at the Museum of British Columbia, I believe it was. Um, and it kept mixed reviews. Uh, the, 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 I, the reason why it got mixed reviews, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is because it just they just didn't clean the film up or do anything to make it more stable. You know, they just showed the raw film. Right. And, and, and it's, it's hard to tell when it's shaking around violently all over the screen, you know, what you're looking at. Uh, so uh, people watched it a time or two, and mm-hmm. they really didn't know. Uh, you know, some people dismissed it. Some people thought it was the greatest thing. And then, but most were kind of in between, uh, kind of mixed reviews. But he he took it on the road uh, to to live uh, showings of it. Uh, you know, he rented auditoriums and he would show it, and and he was getting a little bit of uh, income from that. People right. had to buy tickets to get in there, and then they you could donate if you wanted to. So, uh, so this was this was so, his way of uh, of making a living was by going to location to location and and showing his film. I don't know how I, he was okay. making his living uh, mostly by being an inventor. Oh, really? Uh, plus, he, yeah. Plus, he had uh, some some financial backing, but he uh, he invent, he invented several things. He invented a, a shaker that shook fruit out of trees. You know, the orchards up there mm-hmm. in uh, Washington State. Right. Uh, got, a, got a patent on it. Did pretty good with that. Um, you know, uh, so, nowadays, uh, you know, skeptics portray him as a complete and total bomb, but he, he was anything but that. Uh, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. And you leave your own track in sure. the world. And, and that, that's the, the direction that he went. Uh, that he he had, he had a very uh, inventive type of mind, mm-hmm. and he when he saw a need, he tried to fill it and get a patent on it. And, uh, he uh, I, I interviewed uh, Al Hodson in Willow Creek, and he told me that uh, Roger Patterson, at the time he met Roger Patterson, he had gotten a toy patent uh, for kids. Uh, so you know, did he had money coming in, and, and then he had a uh, some financial backers too, as well. Uh, so I've got pictures of Roger. Uh, he had uh, what you call cutting edge ATV equipment, you know, with tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be be the equivalent of a side by side now. Uh, you know, he had a big truck full of equipment, listening equipment, uh, that type of thing. Uh, so, you know, the, the, I talked to the guy whose dad rented him cameras hmm. uh, up there in a photo house in uh, in Yakima, Washington. And he, he told me that Roger, uh, his dad had rented Roger on the same day two cameras, not just one. Uh, one of them was uh, a Bolex and the other was a Kodak K100. All right, stand by, MK. You and I have to come back uh, after this news break. And Exonation, our guest this hour is MK Davis. His website is thedavisreport.wordpress.com. Bigfoot is the topic this hour. 
Are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Send me an email, exxonerxxonerradiotv.com. And for all the programming that we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel on Simultv, simultv.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. M.K. Davis and I return after the news. Don't go away. M.K. Davis is my guest this hour, Exxon Nation. His blog site is thedavisreport.wordpress.com. And he also has a YouTube channel that is GreenWave2010FB. M.K., can you take us uh, through the process in which you were able to enhance the shaky footage that was taken by Gimlin and Patterson? Well, yeah, the first thing... Yeah, I had to do was to identify the problems with mm-hmm. them, uh, you know, technical problems. Uh, and almost any lens of any type, uh, you know, it's going to have certain things that that are inherently uh, wrong with the lens. And you don't really notice them, except that when you magnify it, then you magnify its flaws, and then it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And so identifying those things uh, was the first uh, order of business. And so what I found to be the most uh, uh, distracting or the most uh, damaging to the clarity of the film was chromatic aberration. Now, can chromatic you aberration, is a, it doesn't bring all the colors of the spectrum to one single point of focus. Mm-hmm. In other words, some of the, some of them are sharp and some of them are unfocused. Right. And so the unfocused ones detract from the overall quality of the picture. So I was able to, to make a determination of which one of those colors were the, were the detractors, and then I separated them out through filtration. So would that be the produce, would that be the same process that we use in video when we uh, when we change the the brightness, contrast, gamma, and hue, as well as the saturation of the footage? No, no, no. That When you do those things, you, you do it to all the colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did was to eliminate those who were contributing to the overall unsharpness of the image. Okay, now did you take, uh, the, did you take the 16 millimeter footage and convert it to video, or did you, how did you, how did you do the process itself? Uh, I had someone who had a copy of the film mm-hmm. photograph each frame. Wow! And, and send me each frame individually, and I and I reprocessed each frame, and got rid of the chromatic aberration, mm-hmm. and I boosted the sharpness of each frame probably thirty percent. Now, did you do this uh, using a digital process, or was this using the analog process? 
Uh, I use the digital process on it. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's essentially the same thing. It mm -hmm. splits it off. You'll get all the information in the photo that's in yellow, magenta, uh, cyan, and black. And uh, I found the colors that were unsharp. Mm -hmm. I just deleted them. Uh, I reassembled the, in the frames, uh, stabilized them, and hit the preview button at 2 in the morning. And the rest is history. It's just so unbelievably clear. Uh, you know, I, it, it caught me by surprise at how good it was. I, I hope you don't take what I'm going to say the wrong way, but is it possible that you added to the film by using this process, thereby making it look more real than it is? No, I actually took took away from the film. I didn't add it. Okay. Uh, Okay, uh, when so you remove the you remove the fuzzy color. You're mm -hmm. taking away. You're subtracting, not not adding. No, all, no. I I, I did I, what I under, I it, under, le it left it left the sharper layers mm -hmm. behind, and I, and I displayed them in black and white. Uh, so uh, all I did was take the unsharp layers of color that were not properly focused by the lens mm -hmm. and remove them. It, it's a it's a, a process that's used every day in astrophotography. They they do that all the time. It it sharpens the image up. Uh, and as a, as a rule in astrophotography, uh, that you know if you can boost it one percent in resolution, you'll mm -hmm. see ten new things. And it pretty much holds true. Okay, so you did this. Frame by frame, and how many frames did you do? I only did the first two walk sequences, and which is uh, over five hundred frames. And how long did it take you in total to to complete the process? Well, quite a while. I don't know the exact amount of time, but it was you know I, I worked doggedly at it. Mm -hmm. Most of my work was at night, where right. I wouldn't bother anyone. And uh, and it when I ended up watching it for the first time, it was like in the wee hours, like you know, it's just me sitting alone at the computer, and I was just floored by how good it was because I I had stabilized it, and I don't think the film had ever been stabilized up to that point. Um, and when you talk about stabilization, which mm -hmm. is half the volume, I mean, you don't have to follow the thing all over the screen, uh, so. You know, you bring it to center and hold it dead still, and it's like it's the camera is following it. And uh, and so it, it that that takes a load because you, you, your mind can't hardly process movement in more than one plane at a time. So you've got a movement in all 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 types of planes of movement. Well, then you you tend to just kind of blank out you know you can't analyze with your mind if if you're seeing all that movement the background's moving the, the creature's moving against the background and the camera person is moving left to right mm -hmm. you know uh, you know all of that has to be brought to center and then it's you can tell a lot more about it. 
So you completed this film. I'm sure everyone uh, who is interested in Bigfoot has seen it. And uh, have you gone on any Bigfoot research uh, expeditions yourself? Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I have. I, I have been to Bluff Creek mm-hmm. probably 15 times. Uh, I was there last July, as a matter of fact. And why do you keep going back to Bluff Creek? It's a good place to go. I, you, you find a lot of sign down there. Now, what kind of signs do you find? Well, in 2015, I, I took some Japanese uh, filmmakers mm-hmm. in there, and there was a series of tracks. It must have been about 15 of them going across the sandbar. And... I could not put a dent in that sandbar, and these tracks were uh, four inches deep. And uh, it, it took tremendous weight to do that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's less size and more weight mm-hmm. about a Sasquatch that impresses me. Uh, they're so heavy. Uh, and I did, we did a, we shot a reenactment of the Patterson film mm-hmm. as best we could. They wanted to do that. I played the part of the Bigfoot. I, I didn't dress in a suit or anything. I just walked. Uh, I was real familiar with the film, so I was aware that she she looked back at the camera mm-hmm. and took four steps before she looked back at the ground in front in front of her. And so I did that tried to make it as accurate as possible. So I was able to make some, uh, use that to run a side-by-side of me uh, with the with the actual film and make some determinations on the film speed. Now, do a lot of researchers who are interested in Bigfoots or Sasquatch, do a lot of these people go to Bluff Creek? And would you say that Bluff Creek is the mecca for Bigfoot researchers? I say there's been some people that go down there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a mecca because it's so difficult to get in there. But at one time, you could drive in there. Uh, at least to Laos Camp. Right. Uh, but now but now the Forest Service has cut a lot of the roads, especially the spur roads. And, uh, I think they have in mind letting the area go back into a wild state. Uh, 
uh, used to be known as the primitive area uh, when it had no roads. Right. And I think that they're interested in uh, getting it de- uh, declared a World Heritage Site and falling under the auspices of the United Nations. And, and to do that, they have to let it go completely wild. And it, they, they chisel plowed the roads and let them wash, uh, put these giant, huge humps, you know, that you couldn't pass. And it's, it just makes it uh, difficult to have to walk in there. You know, it's, a, it's quite an effort, and there's a lot fewer people doing it. Uh, some of the more hardier ones, uh, or in my case, hard-headed, um, <laughs> still, still go back in there. Uh, but it, you know, it's, I, I don't, I have a heart condition of my, my own and it, you know, it's, sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, able to go wide open, you know, I'm 64 years old. So I, I kind of, I guess, uh, take my time and, just try to walk slowly. And, All right, MK, yeah. we've got to take our final break for this hour. Exonation MK Davis is our guest. His website, I should say his blog site is thedavisreport.wordpress.com. And MK and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Exonation MK Davis is our guest. His blog spot or his blog site is thedavisreport.wordpress.com and his YouTube channel is GreenWave 2010 FB. Uh, the fact that there are a number of people who continue to go to the area of the Patterson, uh, you know, Gimlin film of the Bigfoot going back to the 60s. Why would Bigfoot still stick around there if Bigfoot knows that there's going to be humans looking for him or her in that area? Well, I didn't mean to leave the impression that it's crowded down there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. It, it's, it's people seldom visit it. Oh, okay. uh, but they do on occasion visit it. But, but Bigfoot is not always there either. Uh, it has more to do with the uh, salmon runs on the Klamath River. Uh, when the salmon runs occur, they, 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 you, you begin to see signs. They walk down those creeks to the, to the Klamath River mm-hmm. to get fish. Uh, and you're more likely to encounter one during the salmon runs than any other time. So that would be twice a year. Because at the, uh, during the salmon run, the salmons are, are also being sought for by bears as well, aren't they? They are. The salmon's a tremendous source of protein. Mm-hmm. They uh, they walk those creeks. Uh, the Bluff Creek itself is too small 
to have a lot of salmon. It doesn't have salmon in it. But but uh, the Klamath River does, and the Buck Creek runs into the Klamath. So they just kind of walk that creek, come out of the high country and walk that creek. And it's it'll be in October. It'll be in March. You can't get in there in March. No way. Uh, because it's too much snow. Well, you have to go into the high country and come over down into Buck Creek. And it's just too much snow, unless you have some kind of equipment that'll handle that snowmobile or something. But uh, in October, uh, there's there's you know you can get in there then, mm-hmm. and uh, your your odds go way up, way up of having an encounter or seeing signs. As a as a Bigfoot researcher and enthusiast, MK, why do you think that that all that all important smoking gun has not been established. How, how come we haven't found a cadaver of Bigfoot that would put this, is Bigfoot real, is Bigfoot not real, to, to rest? Well, I, I don't know that there hasn't been, Rob. Uh, you know, you look, you look at occasions mm-hmm. down through the years where people have come across bones they've come across skulls there was a skull that uh some boy scouts were on a expedition in california and their their mule kicked up a skull out of a out of a uh, big old mud hole mm-hmm. uh and they and they was, they call it the minaret skull you can look it up online uh it was virtually a bigfoot skull and they took it, uh, I think they took it to the Smithsonian, which it promptly disappeared. Uh, but was well documented before that occurred. Uh, so, you know, down in the basements of mm-hmm. some of these, some of these uh, museums, uh, there's been stuff that's been just not put on display, uh, kept off, kept uh, locked up, you know, uh, now, For whatever reason mm-hmm. is is that fact or is that a conspiracy theory? Well, it's it's a fact in some in some it can be proven in some cases. In other mm-hmm. cases, it's a it's kind of a rumor, right? Uh, so you know, it's it if you lay your hands on it, then you know, sure. Uh, but 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 that kind of thing does happen. Uh, uh, I've got a a photograph taken over forty years ago of a a skull that was double the size of a human skull. It had a double row of upper teeth. The bottom teeth were just a single row. Uh, And uh, the museum where the picture was taken now denies that it ever had it. But I have the actual photo, the actual print. Mm -hmm. Uh, I keep it in a safe locked up. What do you think the origin of Bigfoot is? With the origins, yeah, uh, you know, I have my own ideas about it, Rob. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I can prove it, but my idea about it—it's based upon my experience with the Patterson film—is right. that that it's some kind of a human, but not us. And, and the reason I say it's not us is because of the tremendous weight. Uh, you know, when you sink up four inches and the, the type of sand that's in Bluff Creek is 
shale sand. It doesn't roll out from under the foot. Mm-hmm. It binds. It's a little platelets. And you can't hardly stomp a track in there. And you, and you find a track that goes four inches deep. You, you know that you're dealing with something of tremendous weight. And we don't get that heavy. Is is there any is there any hypothesis on how heavy the the creature was that created this four four inch deep imprint in the sand? Uh, well, it's that that would be you know, a lot of unknown factors in that, but um, the Patterson subject mm-hmm. is probably a hit in a half a ton. Um, a, a cubic inch mm-hmm. of Sasquatch flesh weighs far more than a cubic inch of Homo sapiens sapiens flesh. It's, it's, the muscle fibers are far more dense. Uh, it's just very, very heavy. But once again, uh, but once on again, your, if they stepped on your foot, they would mm-hmm. break it. They break your foot all the pieces. But this is speculation. Because there well, is no, there is. No, it's, not, it's not when you see see a print that deep. Well, I understand that, but you don't know for a fact what made that print. You don't know for a well, fact. You you don't know for a fact that an inch of a Sasquatch uh, skin, or a, as you mentioned, is heavier than a human, because there is no evidence. It's all speculation. Well, there's the, there, the, I, when I told you I did. I did a side by side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are certain there are certain rules of biomechanics, and it's there's, it's it's the rules of efficiency. Uh, and in other words, when you like, you swing your arm back, yeah, then you let it gravity bring it back forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you have to push it back forward, then you're going to burn more calories to do that. So you have to you have to find that spot where the arm is swinging freely back to the center. And once you find that, then you can calculate the mass uh, okay. by the speed. Uh, so, you know, those things are doable, you know, to a person who wants to do the, the science. Uh, it, it, not knowing it for a fact is not mm-hmm. accurate. That's not a fact. Now, have members of the scientific community concurred with the belief that Sasquatch is real and that the Patterson film is legitimate and that this is a real unknown creature. Did you, did you say members of the Sasquatch community believe that? No, the scientific community. Uh, not No, it's, not, it's difficult to sway science, uh, uh, admittedly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there, but it's there. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like a lot of other things that one generation is kind of stiffens up to it, and then another generation comes and they're a little more open to it, and then another generation right. comes, and until you begin to have some open minds on it, uh, at least to the possibility, you know, it's it's like a lot of things, uh, and and proof positive. Is is uh, I would say that it's 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 not that unproven. Uh, it's there's there's some pretty good stuff out there. Like what? Uh, it, well, like for instance, the Patterson film. Right? You know that yeah. that would work if you if you 
filmed a, a giraffe with a bent neck, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but we know but, giraffes are but, real, but, right? Everybody sees but, giraffes. But, but, well, I'm talking about anything. If, if you film something that's never been seen before, it's the fact that the subject matter has the bar a little higher. Uh, pe- people are a little afraid mm-hmm. that of something out there that's not us still living. Uh, they don't have any problem where you pulling bones out of the ground and declaring it to be home of this or home of that. Right. But if it's still on the on the on the hoof, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, they they become a little little hard. It's harder, uh, and and so you know, Maya, Maya hope is that somebody will take a better film another film sure and that's why the, the bluff creek area is a good place to go just to try that all right mk it's i want to thank you yeah. so much for joining us tonight and exo nation if you'd like to find out more about mk davis and his work into the patterson gimlin film visit uh, his uh, blog site thedavisreport.wordpress.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. Now, whether you're a skeptic or a believer, do you believe in Bigfoot? Is the Patterson-Gimlin film real? Send me your email. Send me your comments. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. I'll be back on the other side of the commercial break uh, with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.